Welcome to Photo Taco, the only show with photography tips you can learn in the time it takes to eat a taco. Or perhaps a burrito. Photo Taco! Hey everybody, welcome into another episode of Photo Taco on the Improved Photography Network. Thanks for spending a few minutes of your day with me. I'm your host, Jeff Harmon. I want to thank everyone who's joined and participating in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash photo taco. Big part of the podcast, lots to do out there. If you're not a member, go join. If you don't do Facebook, and I get that, if you don't, then you can also contact me more directly on any of the social medias. I'm usually Harmon Jeff or Harmon underscore Jeff. I have my contact info in the podcast notes, or you can email me at IP, that's improved photography, IP editor jeff at gmail.com okay before we get into the main topic today i want to take a moment and just give you a tiny bit more information we have on the improved photography conference we're actually going to call it the improved photography retreat because that sounds more fun than conference and <laughs> we want to make this a fun experience we don't have signups available yet so you're not missing your opportunity to go and sign up as of the date of this recording on august 20th 2016 but we do know that it's going to be March 9th through 11th, 2017 in Phoenix, Arizona. Should be a nice warm place to be at that time of year here in the United States. We're not exactly sure what to expect, but Jim is going to start things off this year with this event, something we hope to do annually with 140 spots when we open up some kind of a sign up to do that. And we're going to have opportunities for people to shoot, not just classes, not just places you can go to hear people talk for an hour. Um, we're going to have the opportunity to do landscapes, astrophotography, uh, model, studio shoots, and of course, uh, some workshops before the conference or the retreat starts on March 8th. I'm planning to lead a workshop, a day-long workshop. We're going to have even more limited spots available for those workshops. Make sure that whoever pays for that part of the um, retreat will also get a lot of one-on-one -on -one time with the instructor. And it uh, should be a lot of fun. So stay tuned to the Improved Photography Network of Podcasts and ImprovedPhotography.com for more information if you're interested. All right, with that exciting news out of the way, let's get to the topic of the podcast today. Uh, the episode that we did in July 2016 with the incredible Victoria Bampton was pretty well received. I, I know I had a lot of fun even just talking to Victoria and um, the Lightroom Queen. She shared a lot of great information about Lightroom. It was really fun to have her on. And going kind of following along those lines, I wanted to do another episode with a guest to talk about computer hardware. Now it's it's a passion of mine, something that I really enjoy doing to tinker around with computer hardware. Been doing it for a very long time. I like to keep up with it. Don't know, it, you know, I the technical details, I'm not engineering systems, I'm just tinkering. But I, so I, I know just enough to be dangerous is how I'd say it. Yeah, but I am by no means as capable as a custom PC builder would be out there on the internet. And I, I've taken a look around as I research kind of what I want to do with my own system, as I'm tweaking things and as I'm deciding what will be the best thing to make Lightroom and Photoshop and um, Adobe Premiere run better, I, I want to find information from kind of some of those experts and glean from what they have so I can go tinker. I know not everyone listening likes to do that or even wants to do that, but having some information about the things that actually matter on your computer to that will help your photo editing experience, I think could be valuable. And even though it's gonna be a bit centered and focused on PC and Windows, 
not so much kind of Windows operating system, but the hardware inside, uh, it still applies a lot to what you're doing if you're buying a Mac. So understanding kind of the, the pieces that are inside a computer a little bit, just a tiny bit, and what actually matters, I think is really helpful. I've written an article at improvephotography.com about this. In 2015, I wrote it. It's called Mac versus PC for Photographers. If you just search on Google, Mac versus PC for Photographers, you should find it. And I have a lot of detailed information that talks about it. The first thing I want to make clear is I just I don't want to spend any time on debating Mac versus PC. They're both great platforms. They both do very well. I think there is some some merit to the argument that if you don't want to have to deal with bumps in the road, um, you may have fight slightly fewer bumps if you go Mac versus PC. And a really compelling thing would be you can walk down to an Apple store, you can buy a high quality computer, and you know you're getting high quality because Apple doesn't sell anything that's really not high quality. And then uh, you have support built in. If you have a bump happen of some kind, whatever it is, you know you buy Apple Care on your PC, on your uh, on your Mac when you get it, and anything goes wrong, you take it in, and they're going to help you. That's really hard service to beat. That's a really valuable thing. So yeah, if you don't want to tinker, if you don't want to do it, then you don't. You certainly don't have to go build yourself a computer or buy a custom PC to be able to have photo editing work well. Of course, the Macs are going to work great. But let's not get mired down and focused on Mac versus PC. That's not what this episode is about. It's about what hardware actually matters. So even when you're going to spec out your Mac and you're going to go into the Apple store, they're going to want to sell you, of course, the very top of the line, fully maxed out thing. Sort of like a, buying a car since I'm in the middle of doing that right now. Every time you go to a dealership, they want to sit you in the brand new leather-trimmed, fancy spaceship stuff that you have on the car because that's going to be their margins. They get the most profit and money out of that when really I just want kind of some standard features and to save some money. So um, a similar way, you, you might not have a good understanding about can I save money here or not? Or And then, of course, if you ask the Apple people, they're they're probably going to sell you the the top model. So I'm going to try to give you some clues about what to look for, what matters. And I wanted to get a second opinion too. I wanted to get someone in here who works with this day in and day out and has a lot more uh, data points to draw on than I do personally. I tinker, but I tinker myself. I decide, I read up on stuff. I decide what I'm going to buy. I have been able to do a lot of testing on the, the things that I buy, but it's, it's only one data point. It's only one thing that I'm able to, uh, to go through. So I wanted to invite someone. And there's a custom PC builder I've been had my eye on for a long time now because they write and they share a lot of information about uh, the testing that they do. They have a test lab where they are actually going through things like Lightroom Performance. That's part of their system build studies that they do. It's not just the the pieces and parts and how many megahertz and how many gigahertz can I ramp things up to or how much RAM can I get in this thing. It's, well, okay, what happens with the various configurations and how does Lightroom react and how well does it do? And the, this PC maker is, uh, their name is Puget Systems, P-U-G-E-T systems.com. And they, uh, this is not an ad for them. They're not paying me to do this. Um, it was me. I, I reached out to them and invited them to join me on the podcast to talk through some of the hardware components that you are have to look at when you're buying a computer. 
Um, the, they have, the reason I reached out to them was these articles that they publish. They have advice right on their website about the things that seem to matter and the, the highest quality components that bring stability to the computer, which is kind of a key thing. You could buy other brand names that may be cheaper and are certainly going to work for a lot of people. There's, they're used, they're out there and available in the marketplace because they work, they have to, or there'd be problems. But there's chances in other brands, in other things, where you may have less stability, you may have more of a chance of getting one that has a problem than some others. And um, the beautiful part about Puget Systems is the testing that they do after they build a machine. It's not just that they're trying to build these things as fast as they can, slam them together and chuck them out the door, get them to customers, although they do it really fast. No, they, they also run the thing through a stability testing. They put the equipment through its paces before they'll even put it together. They run tests on the hard drives and the video cards and all the pieces that they get in from the, the manufacturers, they put it through its paces and test it out. And so that's really a big value add. Um, it's, it's a really important thing. Back to the Mac versus PC thing, uh, just briefly. The other thing I want to mention in that area is laptop versus desktop. And the reason I, I said Mac versus PC is I'm pretty convinced I have a lot of personal evidence. It's not just one data point on this front. I've gone through a lot of PC laptops over the years. I've uh, gone from the cheap ones. I've gone through really expensive ones. I've, I've invested in them heavily. And for the most part, they have disappointed me. Uh, in fact, I have not had a super good experience with a Windows PC laptop. The Mac is the way to go if you are convinced that you really, really, really need mobility. If you are actually doing photo editing on the move, of course, you're going to need a laptop to do that, and a MacBook Pro is the best one for it, I'm pretty convinced. I think Dell XPS 13 and some of the HP Spectre stuff that's going on currently in 2016 looks good. I don't have hands-on to, to talk about it, so to say for sure. So, um, But the Mac is by far the best one for a laptop. That said, I don't think you should do a laptop. Don't do, If you don't need it, if, if that is not a use case you're actually gonna have a lot, don't buy a laptop. Take it home, put it on your desk, and leave it there. You just <laughs> you just guaranteed that you paid more money than you needed to for that, for the power that you're getting. And you could have had a better computer if you'd gone with a desktop. So iMac and or, or a custom-built PC, or even a big box if you want to get an HP or a Dell or a Lenovo. The, all three of them have fairly good desktop solutions. But boy, I would absolutely look at having Puget Systems build you one. So I know they didn't pay for the ad, I'm giving them an ad because um, I think what they're doing over there looks really good. Now to be clear, I've never bought a computer from them. I build my own, I tinker around. So I don't have hands-on experience with that one either. It just, they're saying the right things, they're doing the right things for what I can see. All right, so let's jump into now the actual pieces and parts that make up a good photo editing computer. And to do that, I'm going to get I'm going to be joined by William George, who is a technical specialist who helps customers to make sure that they're getting the right computer for what they're doing. Uh, so he deals day in and day out with people calling and saying, hey, I'm a photographer and I need to run Lightroom really well. What should I get? 
and he'll walk you through your choices. He'll help you get the right stuff. And so I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to let him, uh, I'm, I'm going to go to a recording that he and I made. Unfortunately, we had a little bit of a disconnect on getting started. I intended to have him join me just like Victoria did right at the beginning of the podcast and we'd record. And we got mixed up a little bit on the time. I think an alarm didn't go off for William. So, um, Anyway, he joined me a little late, but I want to play the recording that we did get in the time we had, and then at the end, I'm going to come back and add just a little bit more to what William says. Okay, so one of the things I hear photographers struggle with is they're not sure what to spend money on uh, versus where maybe they could save some money because it really that piece of hardware that, that you could spend more money on doesn't actually impact how Lightroom's going to run or the photo editing tools are going to run. And uh, so photographers end up just like maxing out the Mac or maxing out whatever computer they're looking to buy because they don't know what to spend the money on. So that's one of the things that I wanted to, to talk about. And I'm bringing on William George from Puget Systems out of Washington State, right, William? Yes, sir. And William is uh, a technology consultant for Puget. He helps customers who call up the, the company and want to know, kind of want some help and guidance on what to buy, helps them walk through their use case and connects them with the right profile for the computer they're going to need to make things work well. So we were talking just a little bit before we recorded here, and uh, <laughs> we were saying that photographers increasingly seem to be saying, it doesn't matter what I get on the computer, Lightroom is slow. And we've talked about that a lot on the on the podcast here. But um, let's, William, I'm really interested and thank you so much for joining. I want to, to give you an opportunity to introduce uh, yourself, your company, and talk a little bit about what, what it is you do uh, more than I just did uh, for just a second, and then we'll get into kind of what matters when you're buying a computer. Sure. Thank you. Yeah, my name is William George, and I'm one of three technology consultants at Puget Systems. I've actually been there for almost 11 years now, uh, started out in our production department and worked my way up. Uh, and our, our focus actually has kind of changed over the years. We started out as a custom computer company, just putting together you know, systems from a whole huge range of stuff. But over the time that we've been working, we've seen that customers don't necessarily, there's some people that want just whatever specs they have in mind. But most people want the best performance and the best experience with whatever applications they're using. And so we've, we've started to be more centered on testing what software needs and then focusing systems toward that and providing the best experience that we can. So you know, in terms of not just performance, but also service and support, uh, warranty coverage, all those sorts of things, everything that goes together to give someone a good experience as they use the computer for three, five, seven years, however long they're going to use a single system before they decide to replace it. So uh, that's that's what we are now more than anything else is an experience-centric company. And that's why we've done so much testing, especially in the last two years in our labs department on not just Lightroom, but Photoshop, other Adobe applications, um, 3D rendering stuff, really a lot of the higher end creative applications and some engineering and scientific stuff as well. Um, but uh, yeah, a ton of our users are photographers uh, of all stripes from professionals down to, you know, just amateurs that happen to have some money to throw at it and enjoy it. Um, and so uh, 
that's kind of where we are. Excellent. So it, one of the reasons I wanted to get Puget involved, this, this is not an ad for Puget. They haven't paid to come on the podcast and talk about their services. I invited them because of that lab, that lab work that they've done. As I've been testing over the last several years, my own experience, uh, I ha- I, it's my own experience, right? It's my own equipment that I've personally bought and put together and, and been trying things out. And I've been able to see what, as I upgrade specific components in the computer, what seems to have helped and matters. And I take a lot of numbers and it's a pretty scientific approach, but it's only one data point. I don't have a vast amount of computer equipment to test this on. Like uh, I, and I assume there's gotta be someone out there who's done this. And uh, as I was looking around, it's been quite a while now, uh, probably about the two years that you've had the lab up that I've been silently observing the company and, <laughs> and the articles that are being published there. And they do a really good job of, of kind of making sure that that information is available. And it's a very different thing from other uh, computer manufacturers, or especially the big box guys, they, they have no guidance whatsoever on experience and what it is you're going to do. They, uh, they will, uh, anyway, let's not talk about that much. What I want to get into then is based on the testing you guys have done and the experience you have and the, the way you walk customers through, uh, let's kind of prioritize what it is worth spending your money on. And let's do that by, by talking about these pieces, these components that make up the computer in order. So, so William, what would you say for a photographer is the very most important thing to make sure you have in a computer? I would say it, it really comes down to a tie between the CPU and the RAM. Uh, and the, the CPU is the most important thing performance-wise. But the trick is if you don't have enough RAM, you're going to be hosed. Performance is absolutely going to tank, but you don't need a lot of it. For Lightroom, generally in our testing, 16 gigs, maybe 32, and you're set. And that memory is actually fairly cheap these days, so that's not a big expense. Um, and then Photoshop, if you're getting into that, you can potentially need more memory depending on how large a stuff you're working with, especially as we start to see people doing panoramas and big stitches and things like that i was doing some testing for a gentleman a couple months ago and got photoshop up into the 48 or 50 gigabyte range of memory that it was using so there's potentially reason to go higher there but uh that's that's really the two things the the cpu for performance and then just enough ram for what you're doing if you don't have enough performance will tank okay so and you know what's interesting to me um the ram being cheap these days that seems to be one of the places that the big box people, especially Apple too, they charge a ton to add RAM <laughs> to increase the memory inside the computer. It costs a lot of money. And as you change that option, bloop, the price goes up significantly. But it's really a, a pretty important thing to be able to have. Now, one of the recommendations I've provided on the, on the podcast before has been that um, if you're doing a laptop, and I've already covered before we got recording here, William, that my recommendation is if you don't need the mobile use case, don't do a laptop, do a desktop. You'll get a lot more bang for the buck on a, uh, out of a desktop than you will a laptop, and it's just not worth it. And, and then the, the more RAM you have, the faster that battery life's going to go down. What, what do you think about that? Uh, well, I definitely concur on the, you know, if you don't need the mobility, don't go that direction. Because, yeah, you're absolutely right. You, you can't, outside of some specialty laptops, like some of the ones that we offer in sure. a couple other companies, you can't usually get as fast of hardware in a laptop as a desktop, particularly the CPU and the video card. You can get the same speed of RAM, the same type of drives, those things. 
but the CPU and the video card, which are the two big power hogs, usually cannot go as high in a laptop as they can in a desktop. And even in the laptops that can, you usually have to be plugged in in order to get that full speed. Right. So absolutely agree with you there. Now, I don't actually know that we've ever tested whether more RAM significantly impacts battery life. Uh, memory these days isn't a huge power draw, so I would suspect there's probably some impact, but not tremendous but that's actually something really interesting i might look okay. into that yeah that would be a great article love to see the testing <laughs> um yeah i i've done my own but it's you know one data point so not not tremendously helpful okay let's talk then cpu differences um the listeners wanted to know i3 i5 i7 4 6 8 cores there's all these options that are out there yeah. what matters so for lightroom and photoshop in particular uh, just since that's, I know, your focus here. Yes. Uh, what we've found is that most of the different things you can do in those programs will only use up to about four CPU cores, sometimes six. And to, to give you an idea what a CPU core is, just in case there are listeners that aren't familiar with that, back many years ago, a single processor was just one core. There was no concept of cores. It was you had a processor. Sometimes you could have a system that had two physical processors or four on the server side. And then as they started to hit a wall in terms of how fast they could go in clock speed, they started to go, well, where else can we get performance? How about we put two CPUs in one? And the dual core CPU came about. And then from there, quad, and it's gone crazy. On Xeons nowadays, you can get up to 22 cores on a single chip. Mm -hmm. So there are applications where that's great, but there's a lot of applications where that really isn't all that helpful either because the program hasn't been tailored for it or simply the sort of work you're doing doesn't lend itself well to being done in parallel. So it, that's usually the case with photography. Um, we've done some testing. There's a few things in, uh, in Photoshop and Lightroom that will go higher, particularly uh, in Lightroom. Exporting images actually scales pretty well up to about uh, eight or ten cores, somewhere in that ballpark before it flattens out. But unless that's all you're doing with your work, you really aren't going to see a benefit elsewhere. And what what's sort of unfortunate is as you go up in the number of cores in a CPU, you tend to go down in clock speed. Right. And clock speed does absolutely impact almost anything. It's just a matter of how fast the CPU is able to churn through things, how many things it can do in a second. So what we find is sort of the sweet spot is usually a quad core at the highest possible clock speed, or if you have a really big emphasis on exporting images, maybe a six core, because you don't lose a lot of clock speed there. There's a big price increase, so it's only worthwhile if that's a big emphasis on what you're doing. But if it is, potentially a six core, uh, still at a very high clock speed. Yeah. And those processors, those two in particular, usually end up falling in Intel's Core i7 series. Uh, Intel splits their line into the mainstream core series and the workstation and server Xeon series. And within the core series, it's actually also split in a few things. The The more mainstream processors come in Core i3, which um, on the desktop side are dual cores with a feature called hyperthreading, Core i5s, which are a quad core, and Core i7s, which are a quad core with hyperthreading. And then they have some higher end Core i7s as well that are 6, 8, and 10 cores. On the laptop side is where it gets tricky, though, because that nicely established pattern of what a Core i5, an i7, and i3 are does not exist there. You right. can get 
i7s that are dual cores and quad cores. Uh, you can get Core i5s. Pretty much are all dual cores as far as I'm aware, unless you happen to have a laptop that's using a desktop class processor. Right. Core i3s are also dual cores on the lower end there. It's a bit messy. Uh, you really... If you're buying something, especially on the laptop side, look at the actual specs because there's also models ending in U that are ultra low power, which is great for battery life, but kills <laughs> clock speed. Yeah, not good for photography. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a bit of a mess. And there's a cool website if, if you're into that sort of thing. Intel has a website called the ARC, A-R-K. Yes. Google it. That has all sorts of details. Uh, if your manufacturer of whatever you're looking at doesn't give you much, they just tell you the name of the processor, you can go look it up there. Fabulous. Okay, so we've talked CPU, so i7, high clock speed, so that's the gigahertz rating, as, as high a number there as you can get. Yeah, um, currently, and I mean, this will change if, you know, if someone's listening to this in 6 or 12 months probably, but right now the i7-6700K is the top quad core at 4 gigahertz, and the uh, i7-6850K is the top 6 core at 3.6. So you can see even there that the very fastest 6 core, you're going to lose about 10% of your clock speed. So other things than exporting images might be a tiny bit slower, but uh, exporting images would be a good probably 10 or 20% faster. Okay, perfect. And then we, we say uh, at least 16 gig of RAM, 32 if you're going to do much with Photoshop, and if you're going to do a lot with Photoshop, you might want to go all the way to 64. Doing the big, the, the distinguishing there would be really big Photoshop documents, 750 meg or higher documents than you're exactly. You want yeah. Large, large file sizes uh, is where it basically it just needs more space in the memory to unpack it all and, and deal with it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Now let's go to some other pieces. What would be after CPU and Ram? What's the next thing? Probably the drive speed at that point. So, yeah. uh, ideally these days, even for folks not doing photo work, we recommend solid state drives. Which, again, if someone's not familiar with the traditional hard drives that have been around for decades are spinning metal platters with a read and write head that move around and get pieces of data off. And so you're limited to how fast the platter can spin and also how fast those read and write heads can move around and get different pieces of data if the things you're getting are not all just sitting in one place. And uh, SSDs, on the other hand, are solid state. That's the same technology that's used in the memory in your phone, uh, your iPod, uh, anything that's got memory that doesn't have hard drive, you know, physical movement in it, uh, just scaled way up to right. be much faster. And it's uh, there's no physical moving parts, so they generate usually very little heat, with some exceptions that we can talk about if you have time. Uh, but um, they're much, much faster. Uh, the trade-off primarily is just cost for the amount of storage you get. Right. But we wouldn't recommend SSDs for, you know, you're holding your photo library of 100,000 images that you've taken. Uh, that is great on hard drives if, if you're just talking about storage. Um, and that can be on a network device. That can be external to the computer if you want or inside. But for the uh, locations where your applications are actually going to be installed, and the images that you're working with at any given time are, if at all possible, use solid state drives. Right, right. And and um, so I, I've read the stuff you guys have tested on the import and where solid state on the import doesn't have a, a massive impact. It doesn't really change the speed of the import. Um, the other test I'd love to see you guys do, and I, I didn't see anything out there on it, is um, as you're working inside the develop module in Lightroom and you're scrolling from image to image to image, that's the place where I've I found having the SS the the images themselves on SSD really mattered, really made a big big yeah, difference. And we, 
that's one of the trickier things to to time because it's not right. <laughs> yes, it is. Scrolling through something, it's not. There's not a start and end point. We've we've tried to figure out a, a method for doing that because right. yeah, we that's the same feedback we've gotten from other Lightroom folks. Is that's that's where it's frustrating if things are slow and it takes a second or two every time you scroll, it just kills your workflow. Yep. Um, yeah. Absolutely. So I, I'd love to be able to do some some actual testing on that, but the the anecdotal evidence there is yes, get get an SSD, uh, and there's so many things that that touches you. You don't really realize until you make that jump from SS, a hard drive to SSD right. how many things it really impacts. Uh, and I, I suspect probably a lot of your listeners maybe have done that already, or or getting to the point where it, it's almost harder. And I guess maybe not on the pre-built systems, but on our systems, it's harder to get one without an sure. SSD. You really sure. have to work on it. <laughs> Right. Okay. So, so the SSD uh, motherboard. Let's go to that one next. What do you think there? There, you're mostly just getting a platform that will accept all the other things you want to have. Uh, it has to have the right socket for the CPU you want, enough memory slots for the amount of RAM you want, connections for the drives, things like that. That's the the main focus of the motherboard. It doesn't actually have a whole lot of impact on performance. Yeah. It does impact reliability. It's probably the single most complex thing. I mean, a CPU's got a lot of complexity inside of it, but it's just one sort of complexity. It's a bunch of circuitry. And it seems like you guys base most of your stuff on ASUS. So is that because of the reliability of the platform ASUS provides? Uh, in part. They're definitely one of the more well-known and respected brands in terms of motherboards that you can you know buy for building systems like we do. But we've also got a really good relationship with them in terms of engineering. So mm -hmm. uh, if we have a problem with a motherboard, like a BIOS issue or something, we need an update, we can get custom BIOSes from them and things like that. Uh, and that relationship's been pretty important. Some other motherboard manufacturers out there are also really good at the hardware side of things. But we, without having that relationship, we were always a little bit skeptical of whether they'd be able to provide the same level of responsiveness and engineering that we need. And of course, that's something that's specific to us. That, uh, someone building their own system isn't going to have that advantage with Asus, but they are still a pretty good motherboard brand as far as they go. Okay. I only have a couple minutes left where I'm going to have to run. Um, let's, let's talk real quick then. Uh, cooling system, liquid versus heat sink. Any difference there? Have you guys tried that out? We have, and these days, at least on the Intel side, CPUs are not so hot that any of them need liquid cooling. The only time we really recommend that is if you're overclocking, right. uh, which is something we usually wouldn't recommend for, especially professional users at least, someone doing this as their job just because of the potential for reliability issues. It is a way to cl crank the clock speed a little bit higher, which would improve performance and things, but not usually enough to be all that beneficial. The i7-6700K, for example, you're going to get maybe 10% increase in right. speed off that with the overclocking. So so no, I, I usually don't recommend overclocking, and then because of that, don't generally recommend liquid cooling. A good air cooler done right one that's as expensive as a liquid cooling system can be quieter and cool every bit as well at stock speeds okay very good and and kind of overall just making sure the cooling not just the cpu cooling but the cooling of everything can be important i know you had an article out there about how some of the testing with an ssd you found uh cooling to be a factor yeah, there's a very specific type of SSD out nowadays that's faster. Uh, they're called M2 drives. It refers to the connection between the drive and the rest of the system. They use a, a very small slot that uses PCI Express as the communication type instead of SATA, like 
hard drives have for a decade now. Uh, and those, the memory on them doesn't get any hotter, but the controller chip does because they're suddenly able to communicate about two to four times more data than a SATA drive is. And that controller chip on there, basically the CPU on the SSD, gets so much hotter because of how much more data it's having to deal with. Uh, and yes, cooling can become an issue there. Those drives we've found, if they're not adequately taken care of, can actually end up slowing down under load to while they're not a lot faster than a normal SSD. Right. Uh, so yeah, especially if, if you're doing something exotic like that, uh, making sure that it's well cooled. And yeah, overall, making sure that the airflow through the system is set up in a logical way. You're not just doing all intake or all exhaust, that it's balanced. Uh, things like that are, are important. And ideally, if you go with a, a system builder, they should take care of all that for you with just minimal Im impact uh, on you and your decision-making process. Right. That's one of the areas that um, why, again, I'm recommending no, don't use a laptop. You're you're confining, you're, you're constraining the yes. builder to this really tiny space and they can't deal with the heat very well. So if you don't need yep. the laptop, don't do it. Don't use a laptop. Yeah, and, and, and that's also part of the reason that and running off of a battery, the, the power constraints there are the yeah. reason why laptops don't usually have as fast of components as desktops. Okay, video card. What do you think uh, the impact there? They there it's actually kind of interesting. For a lot of photography folks, it's not a very big impact. Uh, Lightroom and Photoshop both have some video uh, card acceleration features, but in Lightroom in particular, they don't seem to be very well developed yet. I've had a lot of people say, even with decent video cards, that turning them off, turning that optional feature off, the GPU acceleration, actually sped things up. But uh, the biggest thing, of course, for anybody is make sure the outputs match your monitors. Right. So it's, if you're running multiple monitors, so you can have your image on one and your palette on another, things like that. You just want to make sure your video card will line up and, and take care of all that. But then specifically, especially for people doing Photoshop, if you need to do 10 bit color, which is 10 bit per channel, 30 bit total, it describes a wider color gamut than normal 24 bit or 8 bit per channel color. You need a quadro video card. I believe the AMD Fire Pro series will also work if you're an AMD fan. But um, the GeForce cards, sort of the mainstream NVIDIA cards that are fine for everything else, plenty of horsepower for GPU acceleration and other applications, simply don't have that feature. That's part of the defining right. feature set difference between GeForce and Quadro. So if that's something you're interested in, if you have a monitor that supports that and you want to be able to enable it in Photoshop, you definitely want to make sure you get a Quadro. Yeah. Okay, and I, I guess the last question that I'd have for you is, um, as you engineer a system all together, as you're putting all these pieces, you're making sure the cooling's working well, you've got things uh, on stability, you, you're testing all of that out, is there anything else as a custom PC builder that you guys do as your, that seems to be one of the biggest value add I see of Puget Systems would be, I'm you guys go through and you you have some real serious tests that they have to pass before you send them out the door that kind of a thing yeah we do very strenuous testing of the system hardware we test the uh, the drive and memory before we even load the OS on since if you've got a defective drive or a bad stick of memory you're it's going to be a bit of a uh, exercise and frustration to even try installing the operating system. So we test those things. Then once the OS is in and everything's updated, we run it through a whole battery of benchmarks that emulate all sorts of different workloads to try and make sure the hardware is performing the way it should. We can compare those 
those results to past systems with similar hardware. Um, and then we present all that to customers too. Not so much because we expect anyone to be able to interpret a lot of it, <laughs> right. but more for the people that just find that sort of thing interesting. And just as a demonstration that we did do these tests, you know, uh, don't just take our word for it that we did testing. Here's the actual results from your system. Um, so that, that's a big thing. And, uh, uh, we also put together a system image, you know, assuming you're getting a system with Windows on it, uh, Windows 7 on, a, on DVD and Windows 10, we do it actually on a flash drive these days, mm -hmm. but an image that you can use to restore back to the way the computer was when you got it. A lot of the bigger box manufacturers will put that on like a hidden partition on right. the drive. And then if your drive fails, <laughs> so does your backup. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's always seemed kind of strange to us. So we actually do it on a physically separate drive and pass along the Windows install disk. So you've got that if you ever need to have it. Um, and then uh, lifetime tech support. You know, So that covers the experience up to getting the computer. But then if you have trouble, again, seven years down the road, 10 years down the road, you're still using the system, we'll still be there for tech support. And that, that is one of the differences I wanted to make sure I mentioned. Um, I've built machines through other custom PC builders in the past who are gone. Um, that made me just build it myself. But I don't I don't get that engineering of like the cooling system and analyzing it. You know, I don't have time to do all of that. And I wouldn't have the money either. You'd have to buy a bunch of different ones and test through them and whatever. So it's really helpful to have a, a custom builder you can use who's gonna who's doing that. And that's what Puget's doing. So really big value add there. It's worth um, a little bit of the extra money that it takes to buy a system there because of that testing and that engineering that's taking place. So um, very good. Well, William, I got to run, but that thank you so much for joining the podcast and sharing some of that expertise. Maybe we'll have to thank hook up again. Okay, one more thing I wanted to address before I signed off on this episode, and that's editing in 4K. It was one of the questions that listeners had, what can I do to make it so that Lightroom works better when I'm running in 4K or above? And the, the short answer is going to be not much. There's not a lot you can do about it right now. Lightroom just struggles. The more resolution you add to your configuration, the more pixels you fit on the screen the harder it a job it has. It doesn't do as well. Now, it can handle it pretty well up to the 2560 by 1600. The, it's kind of called the 2K resolution. It's not exact numbers, but whatever. It's called the 2K resolution by most people. It does fairly well up to 2K. 1080p is going to be very, very smooth. Um, I don't. I still don't recommend editing at that because the the view that you get of your photos at 1080p is just not enough. Um, and I have a photo taco episode specifically talking about displays and resolution. So if you want to know more about that, go listen to it. Go find that episode. Um, so 2560 by 1600 is what I edit at personally. And it's it's great. It's on a 27-inch or a 30-inch monitor, 2560 by 1600. And uh, beautiful. It works really well. That might be part of the reason that my editing experience is better than than some because that's the resolution I edit at. If you're at 4K or 5K, there's the 5K iMac, it's going to struggle more. It just is going to. And that's what Adobe engineers, we, we learned from the Lightroom Queen episode, that that was specifically what the Adobe engineers were targeting when they added GPU acceleration into Lightroom 6, was to try to make it so that it works better at 4K. If you're not running at 4K, do not turn on GPU acceleration. It, it's not going to help you that much. Uh, in fact, most of the time from my testing and from a lot of listeners and readers that I've, I've heard from, it hurts to turn it on. So it's just not helpful. And I would turn it off no matter what video card you have right now, I would turn it off for the time being. 
If you're 4K or above, then you need to make sure you got a, a good NVIDIA card. Good meaning that it's got two to four gig of RAM and is a fairly recent card between built uh, probably after 2014. Um, if you don't have that, then GPU acceleration, especially on AMD cards, is spotty. It's it doesn't really work very well. Lightroom has the Adobe engineers have not really got that to work very well across the, all manufacturer cards. So, NVIDIA cards, the GeForce. Um, that's what you can do to help your 4K experience, but only if you're 4K or above. I wouldn't do it if you're less. So there you go. That's what I wanted to pass on. Um, to summarize very briefly kind of what we talked about, uh, we talked about how CPU is really critical. So maxing out a core i7 is going to help. You don't need eight cores. That's going to be wasted money if you get an eight poor eight core i7 processor so six cores he's kind of overdoing it too four is probably the the shoot the target that's what you want to get is a four core i7 that's as fast a clock speeds as you can find and then there's the next thing is ram 16 gig minimum 32 better 64 if you do a lot of panorama stitching um high really big photoshop documents if you do that much then you'll want 64. and then ssd um making sure that that lightroom and the operating system are running off of an ssd are kind of the key factors for making a pc or any computer to edit well and that's what we wanted to talk about in this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. As always, I encourage you to go over to the other podcasts in the Proof Photography Network. There's Portrait Sessions, Tripod, Improved Photography. Really, really fun podcasts. I, I like participating in those and listening to them. Take some time, head over to the mothership, improvephotography.com, news, gear, and other photo tip articles. It is the best way to improve your photography. Views expressed on this program by independent host guests and callers do not necessarily reflect their views of improved photography LLC or its advertisers. Some links mentioned on this program are affiliate links where a commission is earned. Olay!